When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. And your world's biggest sports radio station. Talk sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself and Simon discussed the sacking of Jose Mourinho at Roma. Is he damaged goods, or would you welcome him back to the Premier League? Meantime, the EFL have called for Reading owner Dai Young to either fund the club or sell up. Is it a strong stance from the authorities or merely playing to the gallery? We speak to Reading Chief Executive Dai Young Pang. Plus, Simon gives us his take on the new Premier League charges against Everton and Nottingham Forest for breaching profit and sustainability rules. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Surprise, surprise, and it doesn't really come as much surprise to me. Time up for Jose Mourinho, Simon, yeah. at Roma. Yeah. Um, Mourinho sacked by Roma just about an hour before we came on air this morning. Yeah. And then you look at the statistics behind it. And you you think well really should we be that surprised? They lost the Roma the Rome derby last week to Lazio by a single goal to nil. He's lost four out of six derbies since arriving in Rome yeah. with only one single victory. Um, their league form had virtually collapsed. Simon just one win in the last six, seeing them fall behind in the race for Champions League places. And Roma at this moment have eight points fewer than they did at the corresponding point last term. But everywhere you look at that football club, and Mourinho, I think, had a lot to do with this, uh, it seems to be a big story of indiscipline. There have been 29 red cards shown to members of the Roma bench since he arrived. 29 red cards. Before I go any further, are you that surprised, Simon, that time has run out for Mourinho at Roma? Well, based upon the statistics that you're coming out with, which are facts... then this is the world of football management. Um, You know, Roma haven't done great things for significant periods of time. You know, they finished sixth last season, sixth the season before. The season before he came in, they finished seventh. Um, He's got them to uh, cup finals, of which they failed in both attempts. The controversy goes with Jose. I'm still of the belief that he's one of the elite managers of his time. I think perhaps... Of his time. Of his time, yeah. But is it time up now? Well... At, at an elite level, if there's a very difficult argument to suggest that the direction of travel for Jose Mourinho is upwards. So when you're looking at the legacy clubs and the clubs that you would think that Jose Mourinho once upon a time would have been aligned with, when you see the direction being Tottenham and then Roma, you think that's a direction that's self-evident. 
Um, so I don't make the argument that he can get an elite job. Is Jose Mourinho, he's a provocative, antagonistic, cut from a different, slightly different cloth. He's not Ferguson in terms of 26 years in one club. He's not Wenger, 21 years in club. He's not Klopp. He's a different animal, a different breed. Some might like it, some might not like it. He has these three-year cycles. Do you like it? I like lots about Jose Mourinho. I admire Jose Mourinho in lots of ways. Um, I don't admire bad behaviour. I don't admire confronting a referee in a car park. I don't admire going up to one of the dugout and poking them in the eye when he was at Real Madrid. I don't admire that. But there's lots of things about lots of managers I don't admire. But I do admire a lot of his achievements. I do think that there is a still a space for Jose Mourinho in football, whether his ego will allow him to drop down the pecking order any further than he's already dropped, or whether international football beckons for him, whether we might see him potentially being considered when Gareth Southgate shuffles out of the England dugout after winning or losing the European Championships next year, if that's the, conversa- if that's the case in hand. Would there be a conversation mooted about Jose Mourinho being an England manager or a Portugal manager or an international manager full stop? But I certainly think that it's unarguable that Mourinho is a decent and a top-quality coach that's won remarkable things. Ferguson spoke about him once as being the ridiculous talent. And, of course, he is like a mercurial, highly combustible, highly controversial individual that operates in cycles over a period of time. Yeah. And, and, and most of the time, those cycles bring something. For Roma, it's brought finals that they haven't won. Which is rare. Well, more recently, they, they 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 won the trophy that West Ham won. Yeah, uh, in Prague. So the European they, Conference, they, they, they did win they that. Won that. But the Europa League the final Europa League, last yeah. season against Sevilla, they lost, and Mourinho still refuses to accept that they, that Roma lost that match on penalties. Albeit, um, they lost on Sunday night, three-one uh, in Milan. And uh, quite, quite uh, uh, typically, Mourinho was not in the dugout for that because he'd been banned to the stand. And players like Mancini, Cristante, Paredes, the Argentinian, Pellegrini, the captain, uh, were all players who had become uh, regular on-field offenders, in, in my opinion, mirroring almost Mourinho himself. But that match against Seville, Simon, and you mentioned it, shouting at Anthony Taylor in the car park, after they had lost on penalties to Ville, that was frowned upon by many. It's a f***ing disgrace, man. It's a f***ing disgrace, man. Thereafter, Anthony Taylor and his family were ambushed by fans of Roma at the airport. And uh, it was all, all very distasteful. So can you still admire him after that, Simon? Well, yeah, you can separate the circumstance. You can separate a person from individual events and look at a body of work. Do I admire that behaviour? No. Do, do managers go at referees? Yeah, they do. Do they do it in their offices? Yes, they do. Was it taken by the media and put out there and then subsequently turned into something that it clearly was... But managers, managers have altercations with referees. Is it right? Does Mourinho push the envelope below, below the, beyond the level of acceptance? Yeah, of course he does. At the time, I said it was unacceptable. He needed to have consequences for it. And he got consequences for it. But he's not the only manager that does this. He's not the only manager that's yeah, been involved. Yeah, but that involved. doesn't excuse it. Not, not the only one. I'm not suggesting it does. But what I'm talking about is there is a concerted agenda. You don't like him. Whenever, would, whenever, why, whenever why, I bring Mourinho up, you don't like him. Why would when he's pres- in here, you like would, him. Why but when any, you're talking about that's him, not you don't true. like him. It that's, is. that's actually not true. Okay. Why would any prospective owner want to employ Mourinho of today? Well, when, would, he, when he's capable of bringing a sideshow like that. 
Why would any Why would any prospective owner wanted to have signed Paul Gascoigne at one particular time during his career? Why would they have wanted to sign George Best? Why do you take people into spaces because you believe that they can do a job for you? But you're you? talking about manager, a leader, and that's fine. And 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 there are lots of managers. People employed Alan Pardew. Alan Pardew headbutted a player on the sideline and then got jobs that were bigger and better. Mm. So let's not start putting yeah, our moral saying, compass over. Look what he did. Look what he did. We'll get, I've, got, I've got absolutely nothing against George Mourinho. I find no, his, his his misbehaviour staggering. Because what you're asking me to do, what you're to. asking me to do, is judge him in isolation. You judge people by the standards that other people deploy at the same time as trying to hold them to better standards. I would like Mourinho not to do certain things that creates a narrative that diminishes yeah. the remarkable achievements that he's got. Fair point. I would like more of that. Yeah. The problem is when you've got geniuses or people that are very strong thinkers and very strong characters, there is a side of them that goes with genius. That it, it, certainly in, in participants like Higgins and players of that nature in snooker where the combustible side of them, so you take that away, you lose the genius. Now, some would say in a very formulaic and lineal way, well, I'd want that gone anyway. Okay, fine. And Mourinho loses his job. And Mourinho, we know, because we saw the statistics yesterday, has been paid £80 million for losing his job, left, right and centre. Mourinho changed the game in 2004. Never was there. He created a narrative that the media, with respect, which I'm part of it now, obviously by sitting in it, wanted to get him. He walked through the door and he had the audacity to tell everyone what he was and what he was going to do, and then he went and did it. And like the great British culture that we have which he helped with, we're going to whittle him down, like we do with most people in society. He's we're going to whittle him... Sam, that's not true. He's whittled himself no, down. But you, you, diminish, you diminish the body of work from a man that's managed for 20 years with a series of isolated instances. His career, his management record at a variety of different clubs, from the Portuguese club to Chelsea, to Inter Milan, to Real Madrid, to Manchester United, was absolutely remarkable. And he is the sum of all of his parts. So and from some, what you're and, saying, should every owner here want him? Not anymore at the level that's required to win a Premier League. Why? Which, because I think his time has gone. Mm. I think maybe, like mm. anything, why, why does a snooker player with the same physical capabilities or a darts player suddenly lose their focus at certain age groups? Because it's just a different stage in your life, isn't it? I think that there is a possibility that his style of provocative, aggressive management may well now have lost its place in football. I don't think that's a good thing because I think people get away with murder. I think we pander to the Jaden Sanchos of the world and believe that they've got some sort of entitlement to have a view on what they're being told. And I think a little bit more of Mourinho's strength, a little bit less of his divisiveness, and a little bit more of the clear capabilities he's had once upon a time to make a light shine on all other things yes. would be a good thing. But, of he's, course. That, but that ship has sailed with him now. I mean, could, I, I, could I see him back in the Premier League? In a, in a management job? Yes. But would he go back to a Premier League see, I have to manage against, a Nottingham Forest? I personally Forest? have nothing against Mourinho. When he came here and he said he was a special one, he was. And you, as you rightly say, he proved it. He did. But, uh, and Much I, the people I, shook it in, I suspect. I, I remember arriving at Chelsea's training ground. We were talking about transfer deadline day. He was waiting for me. He was wonderful. Brilliant on camera. Brilliantly entertaining. And extremely warm and hospitable. But of course, of late, we've seen him combust. And it's where he's at now, and that's the question I'm asking, where he's at now, after what we saw post the Seville final, after what we've they're, been seeing at it. in mirrored in the Roma team by the players I've just mentioned, Mancini, Paredes, Pellegrini. Last year we had Klopp 
calling a referee a cheat and his players behaving in a fashion towards officials on the pitch that revolt, resulted in an official having to push away a player. Because So they're all at it. And I don't want to bring Klopp into the conversation because people think, I think Klopp's the best manager in world football, yeah. irrespective of Pep Guardiola's record. Yeah. So let's get that out there before you get the narrative of I don't like Klopp. But they're at it, managers, well, and they are on it. And, I, and, and Mourinho is the poster boy for a fascination with his behaviour because it gets micromanaged in the same way that Man United's performances get micromanaged. And that just might be the case of being what he is. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. And we're back with the dilemma that is facing League One Reading, Simon, the football club in something of a crisis um, because it centres around the the Chinese businessman, the owner, Dai Yong. Uh, Mr Yong has already been fined a further £50,000 for failing to meet financial deadlines over wages at the weekend there. I I mean, the the club has financial problems from top to bottom. Of of that, there is no doubt. Um, Reports of people not being paid. At the weekend there, Reading fans forced the abandonment of their own League One match with Port Vale in protest at Dai's ownership. Reading have already been deducted four points this season for breaching league rules when the club failed to to pay player wages on time or in full. And the club have faced 16-point deductions under Dai Yong's ownership. Now, it seems that there's a wall of silence when it comes to hearing from the owner himself, but that wasn't the case just before we came on air in the person of the chief executive because I managed to make contact with Mr. Dayong Pang, the chief executive. He was on the move, but was happy to go on the record. So I asked him first for his reaction to Reading fans causing the abandonment of their own match at the weekend. I share the frustration about the selling project, but the reaction is done nothing good for the club and it all done nothing good for the selling process. Um, the selling process is undergoing. I please ask our fans be more patient. It takes time. Just everybody, for loyal fans, please be patient. So you, you say the selling process is underway. Do you have buyers? We've been keep talking to all different kind of buyer groups after two offers been called out. So we're still, you know, talking all kind of different people. And Mr. Dai is 100% willing to sell the club. Does he realise how important the football club is to the supporters? We understood. And also, he's trying to put the club in the safe hand. You know, we cannot just lie, sell the club to any people who come in with the proof or something. Mr. Pang, all I would ask is, how has it come to this situation? How have we arrived at this place? It, you know, it's complicated. You know, it's not... We can't describe this in a minute. So it's, it's already complicated and unfortunately situation. But Mr. Dai will, will be selling the club. Are you worried about further protests? Now, I, I do worry about it, but, you know, there's nothing I can do more. You know, we're doing our job and some fans, they think they're doing the right thing. So what I can say is just ask our fans, please be more... You know, the selling process is undergoing. So that was the chief executive, Simon Dayong Pang, saying we'd ask the fans to be a bit more patient. He's saying Mr. Dai is 100% willing to sell the club, mm-hmm. but it's got to be sold to safe hands. There's something of an irony in that. No, it's got to be not? sold for the right money that he wants to get returned. That's, what, that's what's holding it up, isn't it, I suspect. I suspect the, 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 the safe hands things will be determined by the EFL, right? 
Right. Um, And so the real issue is how much money he can recoup from the ridiculous amount of money spent in Reading to turn it into a club that's in the condition that it's in right now. No one disagrees with the principle of the Reading fans' frustration yesterday. A lot of things were taken from my observations yesterday, a lot of Reading fans having derogatory comments about me and my understanding of their particular position. I understand clearly their position. I understand my only difference of opinion with them is do I think it's appropriate for them to go onto a football pitch and cause a batch to be abandoned? And I understand that gets them a lot of attention, but what has it actually achieved? Is that what we should be allowing fans to do, even in the most extreme of circumstances? And also, can you hold the EFL responsible? How can you hold DFL responsible? Because you can't just make up rules on the fly. The rules are in place. The 72 football clubs vote for these rules. And the EFL, and I am no speaker for the EFL. Yes, they're more competent. Yes, I rate Rick Parry after having met him more times in, in recent times than I've met him before. Yes, I'm a big fan of Trevor Birch's. And the previous EFL ownership models or management models, no, they're crap. I worked with it for 10 years. I know what I'm talking about. So I'm no advocate for those guys. But there was a framework and the EFL stepped in and referred Reading and their behaviour and the you know the absolute ridiculousness of the way this football club's being run to the processes that have been established, the rules that are put in place that govern the game. And the independent disciplinary panel decided to fine them. They didn't decide you can't just you can't you can't put a compulsory purchase order on a football club. You can't say, We don't like this owner, so we're gonna rock in and oust him. That's not how it works. The fans may want that, and I understand why they want it, because it's their football club in spirit. It's their football club in emotion, but it's not their football club legally. And the challenge is you can't just allow someone to rock in on that because you'll set precedence. This guy shouldn't be running a football club. The Russians shouldn't have been allowed to buy the football club from Majewski. The, the, this guy shouldn't have been allowed to buy it, but when he spent 260 million quid on it, nobody had a problem with it. Now that he's lost his interest, now that he's lost his mojo, now that he's probably economically squeezed elsewhere or run out of money, the last thing he thinks about is funding a football club anymore. But unfortunately, that's the consequence you take on. I took it on, I ran myself to 80, 90% of my fortune being lost because I stayed there too long, and then I handed it over to other people for nothing and actually gave them the opportunity to have it for nothing. So when people start comparing it like somebody's ready fans piled on yesterday to my understanding they don't know what they're talking about yeah but having I said that Simon, is, it, is it not an irony I mean when Mr De Jong Pang came to air there and that was good of him and I found him perfectly polite very amenable and he's saying yeah Mr Dai is 100% willing to sell the club but it's got to go to the right buyer yeah, but is we, there not something of an irony but, but, but in the first fact? of all that's not his first of all that's not his you know, first language. So we take into consideration some of the things he said in there. It's not undergoing, it's the sales ongoing. So we can paraphrase things that he means. He is saying the standard shtick. It's not his job to determine, given the level of ridiculousness that the club finds itself in. Only, uh, and only somebody that wasn't grasping reality would trot that one out and say, we want to leave it in safe hands. Come on, you, no one can make that argument. Right. So what he's talking about is a, a, a politically... Um, correct message of no you don't the issue clearly must be how much money they can sell the football club for or how much ongoing responsibility they may have for the inherent debts that are in there because you, you're going to get a load of people that will take Reading for nothing a load of people that will take Reading and say well I'll take it and I'll and I'll take some of the future liabilities but you're having some of those so the guy's sitting there with no there's no condoning here from me of 260 million pounds worth of cash just gone Right, and a club that's now in a situation where it's it needs money to run. The the Reading fans will say, "Oust the board, get rid of them." And I understand why they're saying it. Who's gonna? They can't meet their obligations. Do you think it makes it any better? 
And then you've got to have a process where the next owner comes in. So you've got to insulate yourself against the next owner being somebody that's not trying to profit out of it. So that's going to take three or four months to sort out. Who's going to meet the obligation? The PFA, are they going to, where are they in this then, where their members are not getting but, paid and stuff? But having said that, what is what is the solution when the owner cannot fund the club any longer or is unwilling to fund the club any longer? Well, he Because he, that's where we're at with Reading. He is funding the club to some extent. But he's funding it in a way which is not in keeping with how you should fund the business properly by meeting its obligations when they fall due. If he wasn't funding it within the confines of a parameter of rules, you know what would happen? Players would walk out of contracts because they hadn't been paid over a period of time. Creditors would start applying for the football club to go into administration to protect their interest. HMRC have already put a wind-up order in place, which has been dealt with. He's dealing with it on a needs-must basis, not as a going-concern basis. Right, right. Now, that's not ideal, and people won't like to hear it, but the problem is with that is, is you cannot provide rules for those kind of behaviour. You cannot and haven't done. And if you do want to, then the 72 clubs have got to get together change the rules and allow the EFL to come in and say, right, you, you're out. Uh, I'm not sure I'm going to put in, but I'm going to put in whoever I feel like because it's better than what's in there currently. You've got to look at the actual practicalities yeah, of, of it of rather than the emotion of, of it all and go, well, get rid of him. He's a, you know, he's a, is that... What do you he, make he, of the EFL stand, Simon? Are they playing to the gallery? Either fund the club or sell out? Well, it's an empty statement, isn't it? Because... They've they've clearly got no ability to do much more than wait for him to put himself in a position where he can be ultimately exited from the business. And that is, unfortunately, my dear friends, if this club goes into administration yeah. or yeah. some fool enough party meets his expectations. Because unless they meet his expectations, Reading fans, yes, they, they are emotional and I understand it and I don't take it lightly, but invading a football pitch, stopping a game, if you want to do something... Boycott the stadium. I know it's difficult. I know you want to watch your football club, but everyone's got to make some sacrifices in so, this. So don't go. Th- then start. Then that will send that even bigger. You got an empty football stadium in there with right. not a single Reading fan in there. Right. The media will be all over it, but yeah. you won't have stopped the football match, will you? You won't have stopped Port Vale fans from travelling down to watch it. You won't have stopped Port Vale players from playing. You won't create a situation where your football club can't compete in the league because it's getting sanctioned. Those sort of things are the alternatives. They're not ideal, but that's sending a message to the owner. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. 
Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard-to-beat. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, in the last few moments, um, the EFL chairman, Rick Parry, has been down the road. We're here at London Bridge. Down the road from here is Parliament. And uh, Rick Parry has been in front of the DCMS committee and he's been talking about the financial predicament at Reading. What are we trying to do with Reading? We share the fans' concern. We absolutely do. Um, we're trying to take action against Dai Young, the owner. Um, Reading has fallen foul of our... Um, profit and sustainability rules and as you are well aware has suffered the punishments um, and to be fair to Reading they did come clean they they were transparent acknowledged the problem and the problem was about throwing too much money uh, chasing the Holy Grail uh, it always fails always results in uh, in major problems um, just before Christmas we took action um, against the owner not against the club in an attempt to get him disqualified. Um, disciplinary panel found on that occasion that it was not warranted. They fined him instead. Uh, and frankly, fining Dai Young is of no use at all. If he won't put money into the club, he's not going to pay the fines. Um, we're meeting fan groups this afternoon. Um, we, we, we want a new owner. We want a resolution to the problem, just as much as the Reading. Don't, you know, don't ever believe that the EFL doesn't care. We do care. We don't want to be losing clubs. Um, but we, we're not in a position where we can actually uh, easily force him to divest of the club. That, that, that's sort of the, the, the root of my question. So you don't have the powers actually to save a club in this situation? It's complex. We have the powers to potentially to disqualify the owner. Um, what we don't have the power to do is to force a sale. So that was Rick Parry, the chairman of um, the EFL, speaking at the GCMS just a yeah. short time ago. Simon, why don't they disqualify him? Surely that was because a necessary you have, step they, to take. Because currently the construct of it is they have to recommend the processes to go through an independent disciplinary panel. And the disciplinary panel were recommended by the EFL for a disqualification. And the independent disciplinary panel turned it down and turned it into a sanction. What they don't have the power is to, like I say, is to have a compulsory purchase order to force one owner out and put another owner in. Right. And in the meantime, there is a question that has to be asked and it never likes to be asked because it's always the question of get rid of the guy. Who's going to fund the ongoing liabilities? Oh, no, I know. I, That's I, the question that people need to that. ask. Yeah, but... Because it can't be the fans, because they, they, they won't be able to do it. Reading fans will have picked up on the fact that Rick Parry has said there, we don't want to be losing clubs. No, we don't. And this is a territory we could now be in with Reading. But again, again, and we're right to point out the, the extent it can go to, but we do have to re remember that over the years of football, many businesses in most industries don't survive 130 years. Most of these football clubs are 100, 120, 130 years of age. We've had very few casualties that have gone, that have gone, finished. We've had financial landscapes from my club at Crystal Palace. We've had financial landscapes at Brighton. We've had financial landscapes at Leeds United. We've had financial landscapes at Portsmouth. We've had financial landscapes at a significant proportion of the football clubs, but never really a liquidation of any significant amount of football clubs. So whilst this is a painful process, 
and a difficult process for fans that live vicariously and emotionally through their football clubs. There is a process where this guy will be gotten out. There's no, he won't be in there in perpetuity. It's, I suppose, the question is, how much more damage can he do whilst the process of either finding a new buyer or finding a methodology to find him disqualified? And and then, what and more the damage that, can he do? Well, he can continue to breach every single governance that the, f the football club are supposed to be abiding by, and they can keep on getting sanctioned and sanctioned and sanctioned until they're at the bottom of League Two and in non-league football. That's what can happen to Reading. Because if that's where... But now, that doesn't make much sense for him, be clear, because he can then retain no value and no debate about anyone paying any money for the football club. So which is it that's better? Finding someone, because it is about... And I know that they're going to say that that's a lot of the debts will be uh, to the owner and that if he's got debentures in there for the debt, that he's going to have to release those debentures and let people buy the club unencumbered. But there will also be other debts in there that will not just be to the owner. And they may well, wishing it doesn't make it so. They can't touch this man. He's not emotionally invested in their football club. He's not geographically situated, albeit the fact that he's got a big house in Buckingham Palace Road, as uh, John Majewski was discussing yesterday. But they, he will only go when there's something vaguely resembling what he'll accept. Now, that acceptance may be, as Caroline quite eloquently put, when his appetite for sale is increased. And that will be the justification for invading pitches. We depart on that. We depart on that in terms of the validity of that action. Yeah. But I do not dis I do not diminish the argument that it needs to be... But they're being listened to. I'm telling you, the conversations I've had with people within the confines of the EFL, they don't take this lightly. They don't think it's a joke. No, of this is an not. embarrassment to them on their watch. Yeah. This is this is they're, 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 I, I spent a lot of time with Rick Parry recently speaking to him. I know where he's coming from. I know Trevor Birch for twenty years. I know where these guys are coming from. The problem is now is that the the, the way that the game is going, the way that globalization has become part of football, and the way that people are prepared to invest money in football clubs that they don't have an emotional attachment to and then have any responsibility for, has changed the landscape. This guy has spent two hundred and sixty million quid to turn the football club into a basket case. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Simon, it's everywhere this morning. The back of the Times, Everton Fury at new threat of points loss. Yes. And this tells us Everton facing a second points deduction this season after being charged with another breach of the Premier League's financial rules. Nottingham Forest have also been charged. Down the road at Parliament at the DCMS, um, the Premier League Chief Executive Richard Masters has been speaking. He's been speaking in front of the DCMS committee who sit opposite him and he's been discussing Everton and their latest financial charges. We take our rule book very seriously. Uh, it's a handshake between all 20 clubs. Uh, all clubs look each other in the eye and say, we'll comply with these rules. And they expect the board, if clubs don't comply with those rules, to take action. Uh, and obviously we have to balance, you know, Everton are a very important member of the Premier League, and ever-present. Uh, but we also have to think about the other 19 clubs and their fan bases and the decisions that we make. The charge was made in March 23 for the uh, first Everton case. Um, the case was then eventually heard in October. Um, we did make a plea at the time to try and hear the case towards the end of the season, but Everton argued against that and the Commission agreed with them. That's why it was heard in October. Um, and then the independent Commission, I just made the point so everyone understands the process that we have, um, charging decisions like that are heard by an independent panel, which is selected from um, legal and financial experts appointed by 
the uh, panel chair, Murray Rosen, uh, KC, and he's responsible for populating the panel and appointing the panel. The Premier League has nothing to do with it. So the decisions that are made in respect of the charge uh, are out for the PSRs, and indeed the sanction were made by an independent, uh, independent panel, independent of the Premier League, independent of the executive, the board, and the clubs. Um, so we think that process was followed uh, to the letter. Everton had the absolute right to appeal uh, that decision and that sanction. They are doing so. Um, that, that appeal will be heard shortly, and we hope it will be efficiently um, held, and, and, and we'll, we'll find out the decision about that as soon as possible. And I don't believe it will affect the, the charge which was made yesterday for, for a breach for the following year, for year 23, obviously where we, uh, we charged both uh, Everton and Nottingham Forest with breach of the same rules, the PSR rules. So that was just a, a short time ago, Richard Masters explaining the Everton situation to the DCMS. Um, quite simply, Simon, he's saying to him, those are the rules, Everton have got to get on with it. Well, precisely. They've all known the rules. They've all signed up to them. They've all been completely and utterly understanding of the rules. The difference now is, is the rules have teeth. And what's happening now is people are starting to cry because the consequences of ignoring or not taking the rules as seriously as perhaps they should do, or the fact that the governance in football historically has been not strong enough or not, not as adept at finding solutions to the problems that the rule book says they've got to deal with, is now coming home. It's like the expression that Malcolm S used with John F. Kennedy, the chickens are coming home to roost. You were told, you knew, you signed up to, you've got to run your football clubs this way, and you choose not to. Now, there might be lots of reasons. The, the one issue where I have great sympathy for Everton on is the sanction. Not the sanction, not the, not the fact they've been sanctioned, the quantum of it. Their argument now is, is that they, well, hang on, the rules that we know that we've accepted and signed up to and were voting for, um, we don't like it now because it's actually sanctioned us. And we don't like being sanctioned twice because we don't think that the financial mechanisms that are underpinning financial fair play, which is a rolling three-year cycle of being allowed to lose $105 million, they've been they're saying, we're being judged twice. Well, you're not. What's happened is, is that you were... And by the way, this idea that they've been sanctioned and that they've only been sanctioned on the basis of 9 million quid and that it's unfair, you do realise that Everton... This was not a surprise to Everton. They were in special measures for years. The Premier League were talking to them about their behaviour and regulating their transfers for years before they sanctioned Everton and put them into the dock and charged them with the breach of financial fair play that resulted in a 10-point penalty. They couldn't do transfers. Right. This was going back two years. Right. So this is not. So, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. And what they do is you've got 1920, 2021 and 2122. That was a period in which they were judged, right? Mm. That means they were only allowed to lose a maximum of £105 million, right? And because there was COVID in there, they've got some adjustments. And because they're building a stadium, they've got some other adjustments. They lost £350 million for that. And they were allowed to adjust £250 million down to get to 115 So they breached the rules. Then what happens is, in this rolling three-year cycle, is 1920 gets dropped off and it becomes 2021, 2122, 2223. So then in 2223, they had to re reduce their losses over that three-year period from the 115 million that it was between 19, uh, between 2019 and 2022. They had to reduce it, and they didn't. They increased it. So, what, so with that in mind... They can't run the argument they've been sanctioned twice. So where's Everton's... Uh, where, where are Everton when they say the Premier League does not have guidelines which prevent a club being sanctioned for alleged breaches in financial periods? Well, of course they do. The guidelines are, in any three-year rolling cycle, you, 
don't aren't allowed to lose more than 105 million pounds. So you get three years, not one year. You get three years to get your house in order. So you can go and lose 300 million pounds in one season if you want. But the next two years, you've got to go and make 100 million pounds a season to get yourself back into a position. Run your business how you want, given the fact we're allowing you to lose money. Okay. Now Everton's argument is is that is that there's no. There's no provision for being sanctioned yeah. twice yeah. for a cycle that includes... Well, you knew the rules. They just didn't... You, 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 they didn't suit you. What's coming the way, do you think? Uh, do, I, do, I, do, I, do you know what genuinely you think will happen? I think there's a real possibility that they'll appeal the first penalty, get it reduced to six, and then get sanctioned four points in the second one. Okay. And come back with ten. To go back to ten? <laughs> um... Well, Richard Masters was sitting there, and then this has come our way in the last few moments. A government minister put a question to Masters about Manchester City and their ongoing charges. Can you understand fans' frustration when uh, Man City is taking so long? Meanwhile, Everton have had no, yes, two charges, Man Notts Forest yesterday charged. I can. It, I, I can, but they are very different charges. Um, that's all I would say. Um, if any club, whether the current champions or otherwise, had been found uh, in breach of the spending rules for <coughs> year 23, they would be in exactly the same position uh, as Everton or Nottingham Forest. Um, but the volume and character of the uh, charges laid before Man City, which I obviously cannot talk about at all, are being heard in a completely different uh, environment. Um, um, there is a date set for that, um, for that proceeding. I can't, unfortunately, I can't tell you when that is, but that is progressing. You were so animated there. Well, I was watching you when you were listening to Richard Masters on Manchester City. Why? What, what, because you need, exp you need expertise on these panels. It's one thing asking a question. Any fool can read a manuscript and ask a question. And fair play to them for asking the questions. It's what you do with the answer. It's what you do with the answer. The answer comes back, which is Manchester City's is very different. Why is it different? What's different about it? Why are you allowing it to take so long? This is is this is this because UEFA tried these, this football club before? Why are these things different? Because that's the intelligence behind the answer that you get. The answer is why is it different? It is different. Man City's accusations are different to those of Everton. Everton and Nottingham Forest is very simple. Did you lose 105 million pounds or more over three years? If the answer is yes, proceed to go to jail. Right. On the other side of the equation, with Manchester City, what are you accused of? You're accused of financial doping. You're accused of uh, f funds being injected into the business for for pr purposes not as they've been booked, uh, overinflating commercial revenues. These are much more complex issues that need to be challenged and questioned. But the answers from Richard Murray shouldn't be as easy Richard as his Masters. difference. Yeah. Uh, Richard Masters, sorry. We've got Richard Murray, go blind yeah. Charlton. He's going to have um, to do with it. Yeah. Um, um, uh, uh, and, and, and it frustrates me when I listen to it because it's great that the questions are asked. But the only the question is only as good Tell as the us answer. Why it's different. Yeah, yeah. Because then the answer gets yeah. interrogated. Then you go to the Richard Masters. That's fantastic. Thank you for that textbook answer. But why? And why are you allowing Man City to take two years to do this? And why did you go in behind your wafer? And given these things go back ten, seven, eight, nine years, why have you waited so long? Right? Then you'd get some intelligence. Then you'd get Richard Masters squirming in his seat, having to explain why the things that they do are the things that they do. I don't believe Masters is a bad guy. I don't believe that Premier League is a corrupt organisation. Mm. But I do believe at times there are inefficiencies and vested interests that are, are, are uh, diminishing uh, the arguments about the reality of what's happening. I, I, I hear what you're saying, but he stonewalled the questioner, so he stonewalled us if we asked the same no, no, question. Well, you can do With follow-ups. No, but you can sit there and go, well, why? Well, I'm not able to answer that. You are able to ask that question. You're choosing not to answer he that question. He says he's not. He's perfect. No, he's not able to set. He's not able to give you an information about a date. Is a date confidential? Is a date compromising anybody's position? Is a date prejudicial? 
to anybody being able to ask questions because clearly this is a transparent you do concede Richard this is a public domain business don't you yes so in the, with a public domain business you do concede that there is an element so of why necessity is it, why is he around not offering anything fresh up on Manchester City because he doesn't have to because he's not being interrogated by I saw him being interviewed once by Dan Rowan from the BBC, BBC. who's a brilliant book, uh, presenter yeah. but if you don't know what the answer looks like how can you interrogate it if you don't know what the truth is behind the circumstance because you've not been in those positions I'm not suggesting that because you haven't owned a football club or played for one you can't have an opinion on it but when it comes to really interrogating what someone's saying you have to understand what you're talking about you have to understand why why is independent regulation threatening why did the Premier League sanction Everton so hard why are they following in behind La Liga is it because is it because the Middle East and the threat of more money coming in from the Middle East and they want to govern football and make sure that the Middle Eastern guys, when they start to break the ecosystem, if they want to play at the table, come in under established financial fair play rules. There's a whole raft of moving parts as to the reasons why. And Everton might be the receiving end of a new set of teeth that should have been in football going back to the day that Roman Abramovich walked through the door. And at the end of all that, your second guess in Everton is will be 10 reduced to 4... Uh, a 10 reduced to 6 and 4 to follow I, up I, with, I'm which saying, make around 10. I'm saying there is this strange irony in football where things work out in a certain way. Yeah. And you've got lots of... I mean, you've got Mark Carney coming out, the former Bank of England governor, suggesting that he needs to have an opinion. This is a guy that reneged on several promises whilst being the Bank of England governor, the politics on the back of Brexit, and ultimately is a net zero zealot, telling us how Everton should be administered by a Premier League, which is ultimately a very successful league in its own right. Yeah. Thank you, Mark. Off you go back to Canada. Welcome to the Coliseum of Conference. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. That's the sound of another sale on Shopify. In store. Shopify POS is everything you need to sell in person. From payments to inventory, Shopify unites your sales into one commerce platform. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash retail 23. Shopify.com slash retail 23.